The Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet 50 at WinBet and get 200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I can tell you what, at the Notorious OTB, there were a ton, a ton of stray tickets, dead soldiers just laying on the floor after that Kentucky Derby. Uh, if someone tells you they had Rich Strike, uh, I don't believe them, uh, is the first thing I'm going to say. Uh, just the way math works. Uh, all you people on Twitter who say you have Rich Strike. There's no possible way. I know how to math, kind of. Uh, and with me today is someone who also kind of knows how to math. A gentleman that reminds me that sexuality is fluid because he's a handsome motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Caleb Knight of of On the Wrong Lead, uh, who also cut his teeth there. Who's uh, doing a bunch of different things right now. But uh, I, I respect this man tremendously. He is one of the best horse players I know. And uh, if he has had a disagreement with his girlfriend recently... Watch the fuck out because he's going to cash a ton of tickets. <laughs> Caleb, how's it going, man? Good, Chase. It's going good, man. It's uh, happy to be on. Happy to join you in the show after a big derby weekend. I think if we're both able to halfway math, I don't know if that means we put our heads together, we can totally math or maybe it's like a two negatives. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I think it's like two negatives. I think yeah. we just cancel. We, we just, just wipe each other out. Just completely cannot math at that point. Uh, man. So let's, let's go ahead and jump into the weekend and I've got a bone to pick and my bone to pick is with meteorology as a science. You know why? Cause they told us we were supposed to have a wet Kentucky Derby weekend. And it looked like, looked like fucking Boca Raton out there. Just nothing but sunshine, clear weather. Caleb, I have to ask you, is meteorology a sham science? Absolutely. I mean, they were calling for, what, two, three inches of rain on Thursday. It was supposed to be, you know, horses out there in water wings. And the next thing you know, it was fast and firm on Oaks Day and not a whole lot worse come uh, Saturday either. So I think uh, I'm not sure what was more wrong, the weather or the morning lines in the Derby. But there was That's definitely true. some... Uh, it's coming out throwing fire, folks. Look at that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's the that's exactly the attitude we prefer on the notorious OTB. Just general disdain for everyone. Uh yeah, I I, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I definitely handicapped the oaks and had a lot of my picks uh that I, I was you know going forward with from a wet track perspective. Uh, and not only just, you know, on the main track, I'm talking the turf track also, uh, you know, uh, how I thought it would handle any sort of wetness. And I guess we did see a little bit of a change from the midweek where you had a, you know, a couple horses kick free on the front. It seemed to be a little bit more of a, a favorable to closers kind of track. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that when I was looking at it on Friday and I did not have the uh, advantage of looking at the Wednesday or Thursday cards. So Friday was kind of the first I got to watch. And I definitely felt that it was slanted more towards off the pace runners, especially on the turf. I think that the main track you could argue was fair. Speed was not as golden as we've come to expect on big days at Churchill. I don't think at all, but the turf, it seemed like if you were forwardly placed or even inside on the turf, you were in for a bad trip. So it definitely seemed like those wide closers were getting a run of the race most of the weekend. 
And you bring up a good point, which is kind of, a, you know, we're, we're in the same group of people in a discord and it, it's kind of uh, our, our shared understanding that when you get these big stakes cards that the, the turf track or sorry, the main track is going to be absolutely souped up, you know, for, for speed to fly on the front end and to their credit. I mean, they gave us Churchill Downs gave us a very fair track uh, for, for the entire weekend. Um, and it led to some, some surprises. And the, the first one I really want to talk about is uh, she dares the devil just do- doesn't appear to be the same horse this year as she was, last year and the year before uh because we have pauline's pearl gets the upset of she dares the devil after a little a little bit of a, a hot pace for she dares the devil i suppose but a field that so, a lot of people thought that she could probably dispatch pretty easily she'd been perfect at churchill downs yeah i completely agree with you i, I was on uh, i'm not going to red board it two to one here but out of the two in that race i was on pauline's pearl simply because i didn't like the last race out of she dares the devil when she ran the Azaria at Oakland, I'm sure you were uh, watching that race chase down at Hot Springs. It, that was a race. It just feels like she should have won. She kind of had it all her own way on the lead. And if it was the she dares the devil of 2021, she she's supposed to win that race. I think at this point, it's fair to wonder maybe if that Breeders' Cup distaff might have really knocked the starch out of her a little bit because that was a, a wicked pace. And we've seen it before with horses like Abel Talisman and others that when they get in some of these just incredibly taxing races, they don't always bounce back to the same form they were in, you know, not right away and sometimes not ever. So I'm kind of wondering if she dares the devil might be uh, still competitive, but maybe just not quite the same horse she used to be. Yeah, it makes me makes me kind of wonder what those entries are going to look like for her, uh, wh- where Kenny McPeak is going to spot her up the, the rest of the way, uh, or even if she could, makes it through this entire next year um, racing before being retired. Because if she I mean, you got to think if she has a, a few more finishes where she's second, third off the board, that's maybe going to cut into any sort of value that she might have as a, as a mayor uh, going forward uh, would be the just kind of my my guess based on what I know of the thoroughbred breeding industry. It seems like if you have a horse like this, it's it's more in your best interest to get these wins and then just kind of shut them down early, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, she's earned you know, over $2 million and you, they don't want to risk uh, having her get an injury or something else happen. I mean, she's still competitive, but it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see uh, a full season out of her this year, but I don't want to take anything away from the winner, Pauline's Pearl, who you know, really, really got good towards uh, the tail end of her three-year-old season and then into her four-year-old season now. I mean, she's been uh, a really outstanding racehorse and kind of gets overlooked when we talk about the Malafats and the Clarieres and the other kind of stars of that division. But I think Pauline's Pearls certainly uh, earned a right to be mentioned in that conversation so I mentioned my own confusing sexual feelings regarding you. I'm going to bring up something that gives you uh, confusing sexual feelings. So I was not, I, I, Pauline's Pearl was a horse I was considering. Ava's Grace was a horse I was considering. Uh, but at the end of the day, I decided to trust in the almighty Dale Tar uh, <laughs> at, at his entry. And that, that has just not been a winning strategy the last few months for me, but I keep doing it. Uh, all hail the mighty Dale Tar. Alleluia. Alleluia. I'll have to post a picture so people understand that uh, and understand why. You make like a thumbnail of this uh, podcast, or yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. People, people need to hear the the good word of the Dale Tar. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to the you know, other just good races and not necessarily great betting races on the on the uh, card, but also in talking the Oak State card specifically, but great performances. And when I say great performances, I have one horse in mind, and that's that's Olympia. Digging in to beat Happy Saver down the stretch, it 
where I thought Olympia had been put put away. I was all over happy saver. I was clearing my throat and, you know, stretching my, my hamstrings, getting ready for a full on, you know, Ric Flair strut. And boy, did that not turn out the way I wanted it to. Yeah, that was a, a peculiar race to say the least. And if you were live betting that race at the eighth pole, you were probably counting your money if you had Happy Saver. I mean, you yeah. were on the way to. Yeah, no, we were. Yeah, you were sitting there hitting the withdrawal button on the ADW, ready to cash that check. And you know, and next thing you know, Olympiad just super game. I mean, ultra game in there. Uh, not only turned away Happy Saver, but was drawn away in the sixteenth pole and at the wire. I think he ended up winning by you know, a length and a half or two lengths, maybe. I mean, it's just a crazy game effort from Olympiad, who's certainly stamped himself as one of the top horses in the you know older male route division right now. Yeah, I got to think that that's a horse that a lot of people are going to like going into Breeders' Cup weekend. Um, that's, I mean, I, I have a personal soft spot for Happy Saver. That was my single in the pick six I hit a couple years ago at Belmont. I remember uh, that. That's the one that he beat Tacitus, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, love horses beating Tacitus. Um, man, mo- moving on to a horse on the turf, a sprinter for West Ward. I mean, I say that the the words West and Ward together, and you just kind of think of just world class turf sprinters. But how good is Arrest Me Red? Because I'm kind of starting to think it might be really good. I don't know, to be honest with you, because when I looked at this race, I think I had six right horses written down. So I knew ahead of time, that means the chalk was going to win. Right. Um, you know, as is tradition. Um, I, I will say arrest me, rant, arrest me red, excuse me, ran an outstanding race. I mean, he was a little bit wide. He was kind of caught up in that early pace duel. He backed off, you know, got a good ride for my rad and I tipped wide and he was much the best in there. But I'm not really sure what was in there. You know, Wes Ward was asked, you know, oh, are you taking this horse to Ascot next? And he's like, eh, I think we're going to do the Jaipur at Belmont instead. Like, I don't think he wants to run against Golden Pal. So to me, it sort of feels like Golden Pal is the horse in this division. And then there's kind of everybody else. Maybe Arrest Me Red is the best of everybody else. But uh, I- I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I that also kind of surprised me too, hearing that that he wasn't planning on taking, her, uh, taking Arrest Me Red to um, – you know, to Ascot. That that seems to be kind of what he does is when he figures out he's got one with some talent, they're they're gonna be running in those massive 20 horse fields, uh, you know, at at Ascot. How I mean, how nice of a problem is it to have that two of the sprinters in your barn, one, you know, either one might be probably one of the best turf sprinters in the world. That's yeah, probably two of the best turf sprinters uh, you know, this side of the Atlantic anyway. Yeah, uh, Golden Pal's absolute stud. Arrest me, Red. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see those two throw down and like honestly throw down with no, no uh, trickery uh, happening. You know, no, no, no gamesmanship with the the connections. You know, setting each other up. I, not to say he's a, a trainer that I ever really think of as doing that, but still, like, uh, it'd be nice, nice little showdown, and probably end up with a Westward exact. But yeah, on, I would the, say before it, that to take a look at chasing Artie. I think he ran a huge race in that uh, event there. He totally botched the break, ran huge in the uh, turf sprint on Saturday. Uh, look for it, bet him next time out if you get a chance. Yeah, Chase, I mean, Chase and Artie, definitely, I, always always good to look for these horses that are coming off of, of those sort of uh, those sort of trips. Um, I I had, I was originally on, I believe, let me see. I'm trying to look back and see who I had. I had the 11 just might because I thought there was a chance that just might just might get out and wire the field. 
And then once again, I'm led astray by the sham science that is meteorology. Um, <laughs> this was this was a terror, just a heartbreaking race for me because uh, I had so I had just might, but I had the other just huge price that ended up finishing second that I would have I had all together like second, third, fourth. Like those Ooh. were my my picks in that race, and uh, it ended up being just a gigantic uh, trifecta and super. I believe I want to say the super was at least a thousand. It was a good like seven hundred dollar trifecta off the top of my head. Don't fact check me. Don't fact check me. I said don't fact check me. Uh, all right, the Oaks. This great race. Just first, let me say that before I say anything about the winner, just excellent race, the Oaks. Um, I always kind of plan on chaos and this seemed to be a little bit less chaotic of an Oaks. I agree. I feel like this is one of the best Oaks we've seen lately, at least in recent memory for me, you know, we, we mouth that was a nice Oaks winner, but to me that race sort of shaped up as a two horse affair between her and the search results. And then, you know, you had the, you know, Serengeti Empress not that, you know, long ago, you had the Gamine and she, uh, she dares the Devil Oaks, but this uh, Oaks really felt like you could make an extremely legitimate case for four runners almost equally. And then everyone I talked to had at least one or two price horses they were interested in. So really an excellent race. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, what, what kind of surprised me with Secret Oath, and I, I'm kind of wondering if sort of what we talked about a little bit earlier regarding our kind of the the traditional wisdom on how a track is going to play during a, a big stakes race played into this but i kind of surprised that we got the four to one price on secret oath and do we think it was because people were kind of counting on a little bit of a souped up early speed favoring track where a horse like echo zulu could, could get out and maybe try to wire the field because it, at the end it just ended up setting up secret oath uh, who who made a great, you know, had a great ride tipping off the rail and kind of closing it late. Yeah, I was surprised to see that she went off at four to one and you know, take nothing away from, you know, Saez. It was a great ride and she was just much the best that day. I don't know if people were just thinking that you wouldn't be able to make up ground. Maybe they didn't like the rail draw, given that she had some trouble last time in the Arkansas Derby, or maybe that result just kind of scared people off because it's not a win. I, I don't know, but she, it feels like she shouldn't have been four to one. And I suppose that's easy to say in hindsight, but uh, the pace of the race was there on paper and it certainly uh, developed like we expected with Yugiri sending. And then you had Echo Zulu involved. You had horses like Hidden Connection and Venti Valentine. It was a, it was a clusterfuck up front and it certainly set up for her late kick. And she took advantage of that. It kind of just set up a theme for the weekend of, of, <laughs> you know, horses we didn't think were had a chance uh, just jumping on the grenade and absolutely just blowing up paces to set up uh, just, you know, in this case, not necessarily a, a long shot, but a pretty fair priced horse, uh, even though a little bit short priced horse. But uh, yeah, I mean, good for Dwayne Lucas. I mean, got to think probably, I mean, I hate talking like this, but probably not going to have Dwayne around very much, very much longer. And it's nice for him. Nice to get this win. Um, I... Okay, if you see Dwayne Lucas and he's not wearing the sunglasses and hat, are you able to pick him out of a lineup? No, not me a either. Not a me, chance. <laughs> yeah. So I, I saw a tweet from the from the Oakland uh, the Oakland Twitter account, and they were talking about Dwayne Lucas, and I was like, "Who's this 
random old guy that they have standing with him. And it, it was just D-Wayne without the hat. And like, if he's not wearing like a puffy goose down coat, a hat and glasses, I don't know who the fuck he is, quite honestly. And I, I don't know if I should be embarrassed by that or just kind of feel like 99% of horse racing. Like, that's his brand. Is. I mean, he should feel honored that like that is, I could probably see any old white guy with a, a hat and the sunglasses. And I might think that's D-Wayne Luther. So, you know, like that, that's iconic to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to dress like him next time I go to the track and see how many people approach me as Dwayne Lucas. Just like uh, walk back in the paddock and see if anyone stops you. Yeah, I mean, if, you have, if you're just listening to the pod and you've never seen my face, I, I'm 36, but I'm a grizzled 36, <laughs> so I think I can pull it off. So we're that's kind of wraps up the Oaks Day for us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to jump into some of these undercard races from the Derby, and then, of course... Uh, we're going to talk about just like a ho-hum, kind of boring uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, nothing really exciting happened. Oh, wait. Yes, it did. We'll be right back on the Notorious OTB. Make sure to get down on the wins. Bet 50 to win 200 promotion where $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. And of course, don't forget to get involved in their same game parlays with the Win Zone Build Your Own Bet feature. All users can receive a $20 free bet when they win, lose, or push a three plus leg Build Your Own Bet parlay between Thursday through Saturday. Players can take advantage of the offer on the NBA playoffs. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the Win Bet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? Carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle 5 in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code SGP. Not only do I love the new Manscaped lawnmower 4.0 to get me just smooth as a turtle shell, but I also love the other stuff that comes with your lawnmower 4.0. The stuff that keeps you smelling fresh, keeps your skin nice and hydrated. Check out the Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant all in one the crop reviver it will spray on little touch up if you need it get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code sgp at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code sgp at manscaped.com it's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life welcome back to the notorious otb and man i we had to talk for friday we've got somehow even more to talk about for Saturday for Kentucky Derby weekend, because um, tote tote boards went boom uh, is the best way I can describe it. Uh, When you have a $163 horse in the Kentucky Derby, good God. But we did have some exciting undercard races once again. And uh, one of them with the, uh, had Chad Brown basically doing Chad Brown things in the distaff turf mile. He's got the exact of his horses go one, two. We all kind of expected it, but it, it feels like the, the first, like this is what you will be seeing all summer kind of edition of, of Chad Brown doing Chad Brown things, especially as the heat as the, the racing kind of heats up in New York. Did, did you have any big takeaways from the distaff turf mile? Um, speak of the devil's pretty good. 
Uh, yeah. I would say that's probably my takeaway there. Uh, this was not the strongest diff staff turf mile we've ever seen, to say the least. Um, there's no, you know, Russian Falls or anyone else in this race. But oh my God, did speak of the devil just beat that field like they were tied down with a sack of bricks? Yeah, yeah. I I I took Lady Spite Spear again. I, I feel like I just had such trouble figuring out how this race. Uh, would would kind of shape up and how all the turf races would kind of shape up. Cause especially, you know, it, it was like the rain is coming. Oh no, it's not here, but it's coming overnight. And then it didn't. And so I thought lady spite spear might be able to do something with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, you know, softer going. Uh, and then also you, you had a, a, a big scratch in this race that kind of took the sting out of the, out of the pace a little bit. It made you think that a, some, some horse could maybe win it on the front. And that just didn't happen. You just had, chad's chatting at this yeah. point i mean he this fills point. out the exacta with an italian was the other horse uh had everything her own way on the lead but was very clearly second best uh speak of the devil i think that's a horse that is going to be on the early radar for uh, breeders cut mile or perhaps if he decides to stretch her out maybe philly and mare turf depending on the distance but th- that was a monster race yeah absolutely and speaking of uh I'm not going to say monster races, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to say a horse that uh, I have a monster sized hate for uh, actually coming through with three technique. Oh, I, 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 I'm at a loss for words because like, I, I don't know. I see the words three and technique put together and it's, it's just become an auto toss for me. Like I, 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 I hate this horse. I absolutely hate this horse. Yeah, I think this horse is like going in that race was like three for 22. And I think that I was on him the other 19 times. So it just it stands to figure that I finally say, all right, you know, enough is enough. Like this horse can't win. And of course, the horse booms me at like what, 30 to one or something. Yeah, I want to say it was a $76 uh, win payout for, for a $2 win. And I, I don't know. I, th- it comes from that crop of California horses that really should have been something about two years back that now I just instantly, I'm just like, Oh yeah, you're nothing. You're, you're not good at in the slightest. And I got boomed pretty hard there myself um, by, by, uh, by a uh, uh, three technique. And yeah. So I guess the main question here is when will he just go away? <laughs> that is the man. It's a million dollar question. I, yeah. mean, I, I wish send him back to Turfway, get him, you know, maybe put him in, get him away from the tracks I want to play because this horse is my bankroll kryptonite. Maybe, maybe he'll just be a like a maybe from now on he'll he'll s- serve his real purpose in life, which is as a takeout reducer. Uh, <laughs> after after that win, uh, but who knows? I just hope it's it's soon that he leaves that he yes. decides to go and make baby horses. Uh, another horse in the Chad Brown barn. Unfortunately, Chad Brown a lot of heat behind his horse in the Derby with Zandon. But it seemed like it was the undercard where he really shined because uh, Jack Christopher made his return after a very long layoff and just absolutely crushed. Is Jack Christopher that good or was that field that weak? You know, I almost want to say both. And I know that's like a total like cop-out fence rider, you know, bullshit answer. But the field sucked. Like there's no, there's nobody behind him. And this field was pretty much full of Derby also rans and washouts that couldn't quite cut it to make the gate in the Derby, but he crushed that field. He, he beat, he beat the field the way a good horse should. And that was off a huge layoff coming back at a mile and a grade two. I mean, 
the sky's the limit for this colt and i haven't been impressed with the way a lot of the two-year-old horses have come back as three years old you know talking about you command performance but uh at any rate jack christopher seems like the real deal and i'll be real curious to see what chad does with them next out yeah because i mean I'm, I'm looking through the the pps here right now and I, i'm just throwing out some names like uh you see kavad uh the horse that i was tragically on in the arkansas derby um you know it it, it just it wasn't even an issue of the, you know, the pace going nuclear and it falling to falling to him. He just won for fun. And it, it is going to be interesting to see where, you know, Jack Christopher ends up, you know, uh, coming out of this. Uh, I The Met Mile, I guess, would be my my guess of probably where he where he lands next. I doubt he would probably tackle older horses at this stage. Um, I don't know where he would go. I mean, it, it just depends. You know, I think the plan as a two year old was they had him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So you know, that would mean they think this horse can get a mile and a 16th, a mile and an eighth. So I don't know if they would look at running him. It's something, uh, you know, like the Peter Pan, not the Peter Pan that's coming up this weekend, but something at Belmont maybe, or, you know, an easy kind of two turn race at at Saratoga, maybe coming up, uh, maybe see how he handles it, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Chad's not one to rush these horses. So I don't think we'll see him again for at least, you know, probably six or eight weeks. That's yep. That is a good point. Uh, and then we had one more just absolutely dominant performance uh, on, on the undercard. And that's with uh, Jackie's Warrior. I, I think I said it on a previous episode that Steve Asperson can't wake up and take a piss in the middle of the night without tripping over a world-class sprinter on his way to the <laughs> toilet. Uh, and, and Jackie's Warrior, definitely. I mean, once they figured this horse out, they kind of got the derby fever out of the out of their system and started cut this horse back to uh, burn. Uh, just absolute superstar despite even how the horse performed in the uh in the breeders cup last year i i thought it was really impressive and i gotta think that this might end up being your favorite headed into the breeders cup sprint again this year yeah he sure looked awful good doing it uh on saturday i'm a little bit i'm not gonna really change my opinion of him based on that race because the pace of this race was just really slow for, I mean, to put it into perspective, the grade one, you know, seven furlongs Churchill downstakes had a slower pace than the mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby at both the first call and the That's, second call. Like, this is true. This is you know, true. You let a world-class sprinter like Jackie's warrior go 45 and three or 45 and two, whatever he ended up going like on a loose lead, you're not going to beat that horse. So, I mean, I, my opinion of him doesn't change. I've always thought he was an outstanding sprinter. I don't know what happened in the Breeders' Cup, but you know, he has one blemish on an otherwise incredible resume. So I think he's definitely the horse to beat in the whole sprint division this year until we see somebody else step up. Yeah, someone will definitely have to kind of assert themselves to, to make me take a, a different look. You brought up an inter- interesting point with the fractions. Actually slower than the mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby, who I believe uh, that was uh, the fastest quarter and half in the history of the Kentucky Derby. I, I think I saw uh, someone post uh, on Twitter earlier, which, uh, you know, I, my takeaway from this is it's a little bit of a two-parter one. Yes. The pace was extremely slow, but two, this was also one of the only horses that we saw win on the front end the entire weekend. And do those things, you know, nullify each other. They might, that's, I mean, you have to admit that they, they might nullify each other when you get that sort of slow fraction. But I also, I, you know, what's going to happen is I'm going to go back, you know, next time Jackie's warriors in a race, 
I'm not even going to look at the fractions. I'm just going to think, oh, the horse won on the front end. And, and you know, it was a weekend where no one was doing that. And I'm probably just going to completely bone myself uh, for for whatever race that Jackie's Warrior is entered in next time. Uh, this is why it's important to take notes, folks. Take notes. <laughs> just like if you've got a bad memory like me, if you've ever seen the movie Memento, just go ahead and start tattooing them on, on yourself <laughs> until you run out of room. It's It's more socially acceptable to have tattoos these days. I strongly encourage you do it. Don't listen to your mothers. All right, moving on. The Kentucky Derby. Uh, I, Caleb, you know me. I'm a little bit of an insomniac, a little bit of a night night owl. Sometimes it feels justified that I, I sacrifice sleep to just pour over these races to find just a good quality winner. Uh, this kind of made me regret that decision this <laughs> week uh, because I, I want to tell everybody unequivocally that I was nowhere near rich strike i had no second thoughts about using rich strike after he drew in i mean did you even consider the horse um so i guess two things about that first off i had him in the bottom of my superfecta you know i was looking for a clunk up closer sure. i thought he you know had, i thought he's basically a version of tis the bomb that better handles the dirt so i threw him in the bottom of my super that's the most credit i could give him but a handicapper that's apparently much sharper than i am is my girlfriend she was over the house on Saturday and we're sitting there getting ready for the race. And I tell her, all right, Jess, let me, uh, I'll make a bet for you. Like, tell me who you like. And she's like, well, how do I pick? And I'm like, I don't know, just, just the prettiest one or whoever you name you like, whatever else. So she tells me she wants a Japanese horse crown pride. And I'm like, all right. And she's like, but I also really like this other horse, Rich Strike. And I'm like, well, Jess, he's, he's 80 to one. He can't win. And she's yeah. like, all right, well, what about this other horse? And she's like, classic Causeway. I'm like, well, he's 75 to one. He can't win either. <laughs> so then eventually I'm like, well, just give me your top four. So she gave me Crown Pride, Simplification, Classic Causeway, and Rich Strike. I played her like a dollar exact a box. And then I bet $5 across the board on the horse she liked best, which unfortunately was Crown Pride. Mm. <laughs> so we are watching the race. And, you know, I think Epicenter is home free. I see Rich Strike sneak up the board. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's your fucking horse. And then she yeah. starts screaming, thinking she just won all this money. And I'm like, no, baby, I didn't, I didn't have epicenter in your exact. <laughs> oh, that hurts. That yes. hurts. I, I like that in the, uh, in this relationship that uh, she's the shooter and you are the chalk eating weasel though. I will. I, I, I like that. I know. That I mean, if, isn't that a turn of uh, a turn of tables? <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's a nice it's a nice yin yang thing you know you guys have going there. Which uh, I don't mean the the uh, turn of the century rap group, the the yin yang twins. Uh, I'm referring to the Chinese symbol, uh, which means balance. Just a little lesson in Japanese culture, uh, which is a good transition to uh, was this the second Pearl Harbor? The way that the Japanese horses kind of sneak attacked us here with this uh, this hot pace and provided a fukushima level nuclear meltdown on the front we're talking 21 seconds but 21 and a half to the opening quarter and then we went what 46 40 some 45 whatever it was it was way too fucking fast did you was there any world that you saw the pace getting that hot no i never in a million years. i mean no never in a million years i could see the pace being quick i could see it being contested but never would I ever dream we see sub 22 and then sub 46 going a mile and a quarter, even expecting the summer is tomorrow horse to get out there and run as fast as he can, as far as he can. I never dreamed we'd see those kind of fractions. I, I got to tell you, I was on crowd pride. That was my pick for the Derby. 
And when they broke and he took up that position off of, off of, you know, the leader's flank, I was like, okay, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to see. Like, I love where he's sitting. Derbies are won by horses that have high cruising speeds that are forwardly placed that can stalk and pounce. I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Oh, I cake here. I, I'm going to cash my Oaks Derby double. This is going to be great. And then the clock popped up and they showed me the opening quarter. I was like, oh God, oh, that's, <laughs> that is not good. No, they'll slow down. They'll slow down for the, for the, you know, to the half. It will, it will be, it'll be as much slower fraction. Then, then they throw up a 46 is like, Oh Lord, no, this is, this is hopeless at this point. There's absolutely no way either one of these horses hang on. I, I didn't think that we would get such a pace. And I was honestly of the opinion that you just couldn't get a horse with a run style, like rich strike into the winner's circle at the Derby anymore. Like I was it just, you. it just, you know, I, even in the preps, like I toss these kind of horses because they can't win in the Derby and, you know, you have in the Derby, you know, road to the uh, point system to be able to do it. So I, I don't know. I, a lot of credit to Sonny Leon who, I mean, Ohio sending their best with, with Sonny Leon, you know, who, who rides it, you know, these, you know, like Turfway and all the, you know, the Ohio tracks and really just, you know, a lot of horse players knew who Sonny Leon was, but uh, it, the general public most definitely had no idea who Sonny Leon was. Could his stretch ride in the Derby be quite possibly the best ever? I think it very well could be. I think the comparison that people are going to draw most often is going to be mind that bird with Calvin Burrell. Um, you know, and I, I, so I actually got curious and I'm like, I need to go rewatch the replays. And obviously it's a little different watching mind that bird because they filmed it on the Game Boy Advance. Right. But, um, you know, looking at it now, I mean, I think Sony Leon had a better ride, believe it or not, you know, not take nothing from Calvin Burrell who would easily have the second greatest ride in the Derby. But Mind That Bird was probably three lengths the best and just didn't make sense on paper, but absolutely showed up. And Calvin gave a good ride. Whereas, you know, Rich Strike needed every inch to win that derby. There was about five or six key points in that race where Sonny had to decide to move past a tiring horse, to stay inside, to duck outside, to stick to the rail. And if any one of those decisions he chooses differently, I don't think Rich Strike wins. But he just made every right decision. Like if I remember correctly, with mine that bird, it, it just like the rail just opened up for Calvin Bow Rail to to you know get to get a uh, mine that bird up and everything you know everything happened right, but things went wrong for Rich Strike. If you look at where he was entering the stretch, he Sonny Leon had rode that horse absolutely into the vice. It was you know he was in a line of four horses with a wall of horses in front of him. And it, I mean, sometimes it's good to be, you know, it's better to be lucky than good. And in this case, he was really lucky and really fucking good uh, all, all at the same time. Like, because for one, the Red Seas part and all of a sudden he's got a path. He's been sitting behind this hot pace, just barely jogging. And he's got all this horse under him. But the talent shows up whenever the rail shuts down and he Tokyo drifts this motherfucker into an open <laughs> path. I was really impressed by the ride. I, I think it's something that I'm going to remember forever. And I'm really, I'm really happy that, that I got to see it. Uh, was it so good that this will be a Disney movie? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think I, you know, if they got a movie about, uh, you know, 
we got to move about a lot of dumb shit. So yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, as long as they can spin on a heartfelt story about a small town, you know, Ohio guy and a Venezuelan kid, I I think it'll yeah. sell. That's yeah. Uh, I, I I think so too. I I will. I mean, anytime I see something that's about horse racing, I usually just go ahead and watch it. Doesn't matter if it sucks or not. Awesome. Um, yeah, and then I'll I'll tell everyone else that's that they should see it because it's great. Uh, even though, even if it is bad, because I just want people to be interested in the same thing that, <laughs> that I am. Uh, so in, in the Disney movie, Rich Strike, uh, who plays Sonny Leon? You oh, have your a... pick of any actor living or dead. Oh man. Um, that's a tricky one. I'm going to go, um, you know, he doesn't really exactly line up with the right nationality. So we'd have to work on the accent a little bit, but I'm going to go Tom Holland. Okay. He's a little I guy. I mean, I, I think I could see him in the saddle and he already fakes an American accent. So I bet you he could handle uh, a South American one too. I like that. I like that. I was initially thinking Tom Cruise because he's a wee little man. Um, <laughs> and you got to be crazy to be a jockey. That's a dangerous job. Uh, part of me wants to go Dolph Lundgren and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I, you know, he, uh, I, it's sad that Rocky four was his peak. So I, that's kind of why I just, I, in, in any film i want to get dolph lundgren some work and so yeah i it's a hell of a story i'll tell you what there's one thing that kind of bothered me about this derby and it's uh he wasn't even there but i'm gonna say it bob baffert uh it's the stink that bob baffert put on horse racing because the first questions that I fielded from my friends who do not watch horse racing are how many drugs is that horse on? And I was like, zero, probably zero. There's absolutely, I I don't see a world where, and that, that these small guys who just kind of have the chance, you know, weren't even in the Derby the day before one dope the horse Two, uh, they probably know that Bob, has you know he's got good lawyers he's got his reputation he can fight these sort of things they would straight to jail they would go straight to jail and so that that kind of that kind of rubbed me the wrong way did you it seemed like they gave a lot of coverage to bob over the weekend what what did you think of how they handled that i was pretty annoyed with it i think kind of like you were chase given the nbc broadcast especially i kept seeing pictures and old interviews of baffert and talking about the Baffert to Yak team transfer and everything. And it's just like, I was dreading if those horses, Messier or Taba would have ended up winning that race. I would have just been, I'd have let myself on fire or something because I just don't think emotionally, mentally, physically, I don't think I'd have been able to handle it. So I was a little vindicated and watching them both run off the track. Yeah. I, I, I had the same thing as self emulation. What would have been a definite possibility if I would have gotten beaten by a Bob adjacent horse, you know, not, <laughs> not by like a Bob horse that I've been beaten it by the past couple of t- Kentucky derbies, a Bob through a proc. Absolutely blow my mind out of my ass, but you know, I, I hope that we don't that that story's kind of put to bed and we we don't have it going forward in the Preakness. I have a feeling that we probably will. But speaking of the Preakness, you got to wonder what's Rich Strike's chances going forward in the Preakness. I'm seeing I took a look at some of the offshores and I'm seeing Rich Strike right now at a five to one uh, early for uh, Preakness futures. What what do you make of Rich Strike's chances to to pursue the Triple Crown? 
Yeah, I mean, you certainly won't get 80 to one on them again, but this kind of feels like one of those situations where if you miss the wedding, don't go to the funeral. So for me, with Rich Strike, I probably won't be on him at the Preakness just because I feel like you know, he needed a lot of things to go his way in the Derby, including the fastest pace in history to get the job done. It depends on who shows up in the Preakness. You know, a lot of horses tend to you know, skip the Preakness and go to the Belmont. Um, so it depends on who shows up, but he's probably not a horse that I'm going to be looking to bet at five to one if any of the other top three or four show up from the Derby. Yeah, it's this is my this is my scenario of how Rich Strike heads into the Belmont uh, pursuing the Triple Crown. Is that <laughs> su- suddenly a sinkhole opens up in the middle of the stretch? at at belt at at you know pimlico and it swallows up every other preakness runner except for rich strike who suddenly owned tokyo drifts to the rail and narrowly avoids a, a major geological disaster wins the race and then is headed to uh headed to belmont for the triple crown listen it's a great story but please don't take the candy with five to one people please don't take the candy with five to one just remember when you when you Think back to the Kentucky Derby. Think about all the amazing things that had to happen for Rich Strike to win. Can any of that be repeated? And in my opinion, no. No, it can't. There there had to be so many things that absolutely go right. And uh, I, I, for one, am not willing to take five to one that that happens again. No. I'm not either. I think you're you're dead on. I, mean, I think he's a nice horse, and I think he'll win some races, but um, I, I think he'll go down in history as one of the least likely Kentucky Derby winners uh, of all time. Yeah, uh, I, I'm hoping to catch him early in Ohio Derby futures uh, so that I can <laughs> I can still get a fair price there because I feel like that's the only way. I, I feel like that's the kind of race that's going to put Rich Strike, you know, uh, that, that Rich Strike is going to win when it comes to graded stakes going forward. Uh we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, when we come back, I'm, I'm going to put a bow on this thing with uh, the most beautiful man in horse racing. So you're listening to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and we will be right back. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. 
You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're using streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com slash SGP. All right, and welcome back to the Notorious OTB. Something I actually forgot. It just struck me. I forgot to bring this up. Caleb, tell me how you got started with the horses as a, as a, as a wee young boy. Oh, as a wee young boy in West Virginia. In West uh, Virginia. Country roads take me country home. Country roads take me home. Uh, one of the home circuits of Kentucky Derby winning trainer Eric Reed. What? Uh, yeah, he actually, believe it or not, cracked me up. Dad texts me after the Derby. says, you know, Eric Reed has two horses entered a mountain here tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. King so, of the mountain. Yeah. Uh, so this must make the mountain here the second best track in the country. Um, you know, but yeah, so I got started uh, with my dad, essentially. Um, he's been into racing and into horse racing for most of his life. You know, growing up, he was involved in uh, taking some bets and then working around at the tracks. He spent a lot of time working on horse farms and stuff like that when he was real young. And then, was very involved in the sport, never from an owner perspective or anything, but just from a gambler perspective for the most part. When I got old enough to know how to read a form, he was uh, showed me the basics. And then when I was old enough to legally make some bets, I was uh, I was next to him uh, watching the races on TV here and there. Probably didn't really get into it till a little bit later in life, maybe sometime around college. But um, yeah, dad's the one who uh, hook line and sinkered me in. And now we probably bullshit the races at least a couple times a week. Yeah, and I I believe wasn't it wasn't he the one that had you pick out a horse in a Kentucky Derby and you picked the one with like a like a Pokemon name or something like that and that was your first winning Kentucky Derby bet? Yeah, it was um it was uh Giacomo. So the year Giacomo won actually at some monstrous price like 50 to 1. Uh I was I think I was like 13, 12, 13 at the time and I was playing some video game. I don't remember what it was called at this point, but there was like a guy in it whose name was Giacomo and I'm like, "All right, dad, like that's my pick." And he's like, all right, Caleb, you don't know what you're doing to shut up and whatever. But, you know, that was my pick. And that horse ended up winning at 50 to one. And uh, I don't know if that's when the seed really took hold, but that's a memory that has since stuck with me for sure. <laughs> I can just imagine 13 year old Caleb with his voice cracking uh, with a thunderous boom uh, to, <laughs> to his father, just booming at his dad hard, which uh, dad tears up the tickets and his dad tears up the tickets and just, oh man, that's, I, I, I love hearing stories like that. It, it, it's always it's always fun because, it, you know, it, for a lot of people, it's something that's been just kind of handed down from, from, you know, dad to son, or in my case, I mean, one that got me into it. So it was, you know, it, she's, she's not, you know, just a, an avid handicapper by any means, but she loves her some Oaklawn and made me go with her. So I, uh, you know, thanks mom for wanting to go to Oaklawn for your birthday all those years. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that's it. That is it for the Notorious OTB. We're out of here. Caleb, you've got a lot of stuff going on, I believe. I've, I've been seeing you pop up all over the place, not just, you know, at the the old stomping grounds of On the Wrong Lead where the, the drugs and money finally tore us apart, as we predicted. 
Um, what, what all you got going on and where can people find you on social? Yeah. So it's been, it's been busy. So obviously there's on the wrong lead, which you can catch on, you know, on wrong, at wrong underscore lead on Twitter, but also I've got, um, you know, I've been working on some stuff with horse racing nation. So some of the good people there at HRN was working on some articles for a while, kind of a weekly piece called taking a stand, but then I've recently put that on hi uh, hiatus to do some derby previews with a buddy of mine, Andrew Capone. So I've been putting those out for every prep race we covered from all the way back at the, I think maybe the Smarty Jones maybe, or the Withers, one of those early races every week up until the Kentucky Derby itself. We'll have a few races coming up for the Preakness, kind of walking through the whole field and then the Belmont and then maybe doing some stuff at Saratoga as well. And then uh, you can catch me anywhere on Twitter. I mean, kind of involved with some stuff with, uh, you know, Gino on, uh, it's me, Gino B on Twitter. And uh, he does some podcasting and horse racing content as well. So you just check me out on Twitter at Caleb WVU and uh, you'll find all my content sporadically linked across the interwebs. One last question. Who gave you the horse that got you into the BCBC a couple of years ago? Uh, that would be one just equally handsome man, Mr. Uh, Chase Sesams. The horse's name, uh, Freedom and Whiskey, never forget it. Uh, a cheap speed Louis, uh, Louis Cardenas horse on the turf at, I'm pretty sure it was Belmont. Uh, it was Is a New York track. I think, it was, was it I think it was Saratoga. I think it was Saratoga. My insane Saratoga heater. Yeah. Uh, just had to work that in. Had to make sure that I got that in. Uh, so glad that you, that you joined folks. Give him a follow. He's one of the best handicappers. I know he's got a great mind for it. And plus like, he has like just awesome kind of, you know, fun homespun sayings. Like if you miss the wedding, don't go to the funeral. Like I love that shit. That's, that's right up my alley. So I'm once again your host, Chase, the Wolf of Oakland Sesums. You can always find me on Twitter at of Oakland. That's O-F Oakland. And that stands for of and not only fans. Uh, I spell only fans in that account. So that's not that. Uh, and then uh, you can also follow the show uh, at Notorious underscore OT. Uh, just got that launch. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Caleb, for stopping by. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you later this week when uh, I think we got a little preview of the uh, stakes races at Belmont. So. Until then, we're out. <laughs> <laughs>